0: Their crossroads and didn't know which way to turn. While we stood there deciding, a the young woman approached him, heading the same direction. Please, ma'am, I'm on my way to the county fair. Can you tell me which way to go? She said, Yes, she replied, I'm on my way there too. We'll go right down this way about a mile, turn left about a mile and a half, and left again and about a mile, and we're right there. Uh, and he said, Wait a minute, down here, turn left and left again. Couldn't we couldn't we save a lot of through the woods. She replied, Yes, we could, but I could not walk through those woods with you while you might try to kiss me. Listen, he said, How could I possibly kiss anybody with a pig under one arm, a chicken under the other, and a basket on my head? Well, she replied, You could put that chicken on the ground, turn that basket upside down, hold the chicken, and I could hold that little bitty pig. If if you will, I want to talk today about how to walk in this evil generation, and I do believe that's where we are. I believe that we're living in times that uh, we can't trust like we should. Uh, I think that um, we're having a hard time uh, with the truth, and so how do we walk? That's what I want. I'm I'm trying to prepare you guys that Jesus is coming, and He could be here at any time. We want to do as a church. We want to get ready for well, that day when He does come. And so I want you to turn with me, if you will. I want to go back to the book of Genesis. And I want to go over to chapter 5 of Genesis. And I want to start reading with verse 18. Now listen to what it says in verse 18, chapter 5. Jared lived 162 years and begot Eden. And after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. And he begot Lamech. Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. And he called his son Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which our Lord has cursed after he begot Noah, Lomach lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of lomack were 770 years, and he died, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Jacob. Father, we thank You for the blessings You've given us. We thank You for the opportunities that we have today. And I pray, Father, simply that the words of my mouth and the Pray that you would forgive us of those things that we have done wrong. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your mercy. We ask you, Father, to fill us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And may the Holy Spirit be our teacher. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus The Bible says this in Luke 21, verse 25 and 28. It says this. Then there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth and distress and nations, and perplexity in the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expect and, and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads redemption Now, the Lord tells us this over in the 24th chapter, chapter 24 of Matthew, chapter 21 of Luke, and chapter 13 of, of the book of Mark, tells us simply that about the second coming of Jesus. And so in Matthew 24, listen to what he says. He says, but of the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the days of Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So He tells us this. He says to us in those days, which are our days, our last days, He said it will be just like the the days of Noah. So what were they doing? And as I read to you Luke 21, verses 25 through 28 basically told us, and I've never seen a time that there's so much perplexity in the world today. Not just in the United States, it's everywhere. We're looking already at Russia in Ukraine and what's happening over there, but it's only a matter of time before China begins to invade uh, other places. It's happening all over the world, and what do we do, and what are we doing about it for the first time when there's a worldwide conflict of things the United States? Not God, anyway. But he says in the days, in the last days, before Jesus gets ready to come, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And he said that what they'll be doing, they'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. They'll be so involved in the things of the world that they have no perspective of eternal things. There'll be no perspective of eternal things. us. Uh, by the Episcopal Church here just this, uh, this past week that now they're saying that 80-something percent of American people say that they don't really believe that being a God-fearing nation has a has an effect upon this nation. That was by the Episcopal Church. And the Episcopal Church, they not really preaching the things that they need to. You know? I don't care to say that, but I'll say it. So then, in other words, those people in Noah's day were not paying attention to God's eternal clock. And it's interesting, when the Lord describes the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... All these other things are going to be added to it. So he says, okay, here's what he said. If you seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things, if you seek me first, I'll take care of you. But the question begs itself, okay, what is the kingdom of God? Well, he goes over to the 14th chapter of the book of Romans in verse 17 and says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the very things that they were doing at that time, it says that the kingdom of God is not those things. So people that are so involved in this world and so caught up in the things of this world, it says it's not the kingdom of God. That's what God says. So how should we live in these last days? And one of the great examples of how to live this life get prepared for because we know there are going to be people's hearts that's going to be failing them there are going to be neighbors, there are going to be people in your family that are going to come to you and basically say, we don't need the church anymore, we don't need religion anymore, we don't really need to come to Jesus. It's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot of us because the trends are going to change so much that the falling away will happen. Why will the falling away happen? It will happen because the love of many will wax cold. And as it waxes cold, what's that going to do? It's going to influence you. It's going to influence your children. It's going to influence your kingdom or that you're going to turn and go back. Jesus said that once a man puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say he was lost. He said he's not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But I'm telling you, it's coming. And it's going to be very, very discouraging to those of us who want to try to follow Jesus. So we've got to do some things. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Well, you need to be here tonight as, as I talk about some of those things. So when Adam and Eve sin. And their descendants followed two distinct lines, according to what Genesis tells us, of worship. One went the way of Cain; the other went the way of Abel. Abel's worshiped God by faith, bringing God to a blood sacrifice as he approached God. Is what the Scripture teaches. Cain, the way of Cain, ignored that he was depri- He had a deprived nature because he descended from fallen parents. We're doing the very same thing in our country today. We're saying that all men are good. Romans chapter 3, it says there's none good, there's none that seeketh after God. No, not one is what it says. But Cain ignored that he was deprived by nature because he descended from a falling parent, what I mean by that, Adam and Eve, and as a sinner by choice, and he died. And so when his parents died, and as a result of that, he approached God by the product of his own labor. Now, I want to tell you something. When I listen to a lot of people talk today, And they start expounding about what they have accomplished, what they've done, or who they are, or what they are. I wonder, I can't help but think, is that a product of their own labor? Because you see, if I go over to the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, and it talks about the Jews, it says they went about to establish, this scares me to death, guys, they went about to establish their own righteousness, not the righteousness of God that's what it says so they went about here's God said here's the way they went about so so which the lord when Cain came the lord refused him he refused him because he brought he tried to bring God a salad and as a result of that, he and God had basically when Adam and Eve. You say, well, where did he? Where did they learn? Because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did God do? He went and killed the lamb. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. What does that mean? It means that we do the very same thing. We try to let the things of this world try to cover us, and God says, "It's my righteousness, not yours. You have to satisfy me. You have to satisfy me, not the world. You know." So they covered themselves with fig leaves, and what did God do? God went and took an animal, killed the an animal, and covered them. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. Well, what does that mean? It means Jesus died; He shed His blood for you and I. So men today still try to come to God their way, and not the Lord's way. And Jesus, this is why Jesus says over the fourteenth chapter of the Book of God, it's His way. I am the way, he says. No man comes to the Father except by me. And that really gets somebody's temper going. If you want to talk to them about it, tell them that Jesus is the only way. You know, he's the only way. But the Bible also says over in the 14th chapter of the book of Proverbs, it says this, there is a way. See, this is what the world's teaching right now. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end leads to destruction. How many of you watch University of Kentucky ball games? <laughs> Oh come on! You're in church. You can raise your hand. You watch the Kentucky ball game. Huh? How did you feel after that game? <laughs> yeah, but you're a Louisville fan. I know who you are. I know that voice anywhere. Yeah, the Lord's trying to teach us something. I wish every young man. It's great that you play. I love the center that played for University of Kentucky, and I heard him give his testimony. He's actually gone to some churches and preached, and he's a great kid. But you see, all those kids, and I thought about this, all those kids put everything they had into that game, in their heart, and then they get beat. When everybody's expecting them to be in the Final Four and everything, and they get beat. But you see, that's the way of the world. When you put your trust in the things of this world, you're going to be disappointed. And now if that's all they got, if that's all you got, then okay. But let me tell you something. Jesus has never disappointed me. So are you telling us, Lee, that we're not participating? No. Just put Christ first in your life. But how many of us the same thing? We we, we work our tail off to get into the corner office and a job, whatever, and we do all that stuff. We get there, and then we find out, heck there's only just there's another mountain to climb. It didn't satisfy. Oh, if I could just make this amount of money. And you make that amount of money. And then you find, you find out, you say, oh, if I could just have this kind of relationship in my life. And we do that, and guess what? We're disappointed. And so Jesus says, there's a way which seemeth right to a man, but the end leads to death, or it leads to destruction. It leads to disappointment. So the remainder in Genesis chapter 4... It traces the godless lives of Cain down to the seventh generation. But it closes with Seth being born. So in Genesis chapter chapter 4, verse 25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again and bore a son, and his name him Seth, for God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel and Cain to be killed. And verse 26, And for Seth to him also the son was born, and he named it Enesim and the men, and this and this. And men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. So it ends with a godless generation, but then it, it, it chooses to end with Seth being born. That men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. In Genesis 5, when we start, it begins a new section. And it traces for us The line of Seth. Before that, before in Genesis 4, we were tracing the line of of Cain. Ten times we find this phrase. There are the generation, these are the generation of. An important phrase that is added for the first time in Genesis. Look at Genesis 5.1. It says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. That's the first time and the only time it says it in the Bible. This is the genealogy of Adam. No place else in the Bible. Only place but in fact in Matthew 1:1 1, 1, it says this, and this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Two exceptions. What are the two what does it say the genealogy of Adam and then it says the genealogy Matthew 1:1 1, 1, it says the genealogy of Jesus Christ because they are the two federal headships of all mankind. And you're either in Cain There is, no, there is no other. You know, all this thing about Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that we're doing today, you see, you see the Bible nullifies all Wait, Paul writes this. He says, we know no man after the after the flesh. What does that mean? Once you come to Jesus, you're my brother. I don't care who you are, or what you call yourself, or whatever else, or whatever. You're my brother, and you're my sister once you come to Jesus. It nullifies It nullifies all now we ought to act like it and we ought to treat people that way. That's what that's what it says. But by the same token, you know, that, that so there's only two people. And the Bible says over in 1 John, it says that he that hath the Son hath life because he's in the genealogy of Jesus, and he that hath not the Son hath not life because he's in the genealogy of Adam. So the book of generation of Adams are enrolled the names. Of fallen descendants of the first man, in the second, the Book of the Generation of Jesus Christ are inscribed the names of all who have been redeemed by sovereign grace. Once the book, one is the Book of Death, and the other is the, the Lamb's Book of Life. Where do you say? Well, okay, why well, the Lamb's Book of Life, and Jesus one time said, told his disciples, "Don't rejoice." Don't rejoice because of the miracles, of things, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So you got one book, the Book of Death, and you got another, the Book of Life. And the whole Bible centers around these two books. So in Genesis two four, it says, "This is the history of the generation of the heavens and the earth." Now, now listen to this. It says, "Not the origins." Of the earth, because the whole purpose in the book of Genesis was never to write to write to explain how God did things. It was to basically tell us why He did it. You understand? So all these people learned about whether we came from a frog or an ape or whatever it is. Yeah, I know where I came from. I came from a loving heavenly Father that created me. That wants me to bring glory and honor to Him. So, so in chapter five. It opens a whole new section in Genesis. Righteous Abel has been slayed, and all the descendants of Cain are doomed to destruction by the flood. It is from Seth that there shall that they issue No that they issue Noah, whose children come out of the ark and will replenish the earth. So the Bible says over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and you know that this and it says this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I hope you understand what that means. He said he'll bruise your heel. What does that mean? Satan thought he had Jesus conquered when he had him crucified. He didn't realize what he was going to do. And so, as a result of that, what happened? As a result of that, what happened? He crushed his head. Satan is defeated. He is the accuser of the brethren, so who you, you listen to him. That's who you're going to. You're going to go along with him. You're going to listen to him what he says. So, so, so after it says, you know, and here's something real important because there's a red line through the Bible. So after three fifteen, you start studying in the Old Testament and everything, all the things that happened to Joseph, all the things that happened to Abraham, all the things that happened to. Him, why did it happen? Because Satan was trying to disrupt that lineage. That's why he went, he went all the way out to try to do something. He wanted, if he could thought, if he could just disrupt that lineage, and he's still trying it today. But he thinks maybe he can stop what he knows is going to happen, and that's he's going to be cast into a lake of fire. Now, every man and every woman, but now let me let me read something else here. I want you to read Genesis 5, verse 3. Well, let's start. It says this. Let's start with one. Genesis one. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Now, one of the things it says is, so He created male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So Adam was created, what? In the image of what God? Three. And Adam lived 130 years and he got a son in his own likeness after his image and him named is What's that saying? I hear people all the time say, well, we're all created in God's image. Well, the Bible says. The Bible says Adam was created in the image of God. It says we were created in the image of Adam. Why? That's how we got his sinful nature. You understand? So, So what am I saying to you? I'm saying thus, after His image, thus we have the doctrine of what's called universal depravity. While every man has been created by God, not every man and woman are created in the image of God. We have to come to Jesus and be born again. So every man and woman living in the world today, through Noah and his three sons, a descendant of Seth, thus all by nature are falling offspring from a fallen parent. So it's not until we reach verse 21 of chapter 5, eight times do we read, and he died, and he died. But living in those turbulent times like we are today, we read in Genesis 6, 6-5, he says this, he says simply, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I'm not sure if we're not saying that today. chapter 5, verse 21, we see something different. We have a notable exception. And I'm telling you, that's what God's looking for today. In the time of evilness that we're living in, God is looking for notable exceptions to the rules in this world that we live in. Listen to what it says there. And so, it says this in chapter 5, verse 20, starting with verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot Methuselah. Okay. Then what? And after he begot, and, no, and after he begot Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God three hundred years and had sons and daughters. And then he come down here to verse twenty-one. So all the days of Enoch are twenty-three, excuse me. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years. And listen to this. This is tremendous. Verse twenty-four. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. He was not. Why was he not? Because God took him. Don't tell me God can't rapture people out of here. Don't tell me that's not the doctrine or what the Bible teaches. It is. And one of these days, God's going to come and he's going to say, they're not here. Why? They're not here. Because he took them. What was God and he was not? He He took them. Every man and woman. So it's not until we reach this verse 21. But in chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, we have this notable exception. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, did not die. He did not die. Verse 23, 23, he walked with God. Enoch is one but two people in Scripture say that he lived on this earth and he went to heaven without passing through the portals of death. Do you know that we can do that? Do you know that the day is going to come that we could be taken out of here and we'll not die? That nobody, but you say, Lee, I've already paid for my funeral already. Me too. But well, let me just tell you something. That's why you better get a casket like I got because I got a convertible. Because one of these days I'm going to be taken out. So the Lord is coming. And so, you know, so Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Enoch is the only one other than the Lord that it said of him, and you can read this over in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse 5. Here's what it says. And Enoch pleased God. You want to walk with God? Then you got to please him. You gotta do the things he wants you. I believe in the grace of God. I believe I'm secure. I believe I'm going to heaven. I believe when God saved you, he saved you forever. I believe that with everything that's in me. You know? But if you want to walk with Him, you're going to have to please Him. You're going to have to do the things He wants you to do. You're going to have to live by this book. That's what you're going to have to do. You can't do it any other way. You can't treat people one day. You can't... you've got to have that vertical relationship with God. But the only way you can have a vertical relationship with God is it has to be horizontal with people. That's what he wants you to do. So Enoch lived in a time where judgment was coming, just as it is coming to us today. But Enoch also lived in a time where deliverance was also coming for those who would come God's way. There's deliverance coming, folks. This world's not our home. Same today, God is calling men and women to get on board. To get on board, man, this train is about ready to pull out of the station. Just get on board. To live for God in any state wasn't a cakewalk, and this is not easy to live for Christ in the day, the time where we're living in those days are flagrantly wicked and in Jude 14:15 I'm not going to read it I'm going to eat it, read it there because it's just the long but it's description so what I want us to see how does a person walk with God when those days are absolutely wicked and evil and the Bible says also in Jude chapter 14 15, that any prophesied about the wickedness that was going to be on this earth when we that we're living in right now? how do we become like Enoch? How do we walk with God? Verse 24 when it tells us that Enoch walked with God and it was not for God took him. How do we how do we get to that point to walk with God and live your life to be so pleasing to the Lord that he would just take you home without dying? So what do we what do we learn from Enoch as the Lord gets ready to come back? What do we learn? He walked with God. He lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. He walked with God 300 years after Methuselah was born. He walked with God and was not because God took him. If we want our children to grow up looking unto Jesus. And what I mean by that, if you know, if we could look in in a, in a some kind of whatever it is and see the future. And if we could see our children our little boys, our little girls, whatever it is. And we could see them getting in problems with drugs. We could see them getting in problems with some kind of pornography or sexual thing. If we could see them getting in problem where they become depressed all the time and not happy and would even consider doing something or hurting themselves in some way. If we could look and we could see that, if we could know that, but if, it, if we knew that by by leading them to a life, and they see us living that life inside of us, not just going through the, the 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 actions of things, but go, but really they see Christ in us, which is the hope of God, and and we knew that that would change their lives. Would we not do it? Kids get fed up with church, get fed up with the Bible, get fed up with all kinds of things about Jesus because they see in us we're fed up with it. We they don't see in our life what they we need to have. You know, so if we want our children to grow up looking into Jesus, that Christ is our Lord, the greatest encouragement you can give them is for you and yourself to you be walked with God. But and the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God, and he walked with God. Here's my question to you. Where did Noah learn how to walk with God? Uh, where did he learn to do that? Because he saw Enoch, who was a great-grandfather of Noah, that he walked with God. And he saw Noah's grandfather was Noah's grandfather was Methuselah, and he walked with God. And Lamech was his father, and he walked with God. How did Noah learn? Because his whole family walked with God. And because when your family does that, there's something about you want to walk with God. Amen. to be the spiritual leaders in their homes. So what did Enoch do in order to walk with God and what do we have to do to walk with God? The first thing, the first thing I want to imply in Enoch walk with God is we have to be reconciled. Amos asks a pertinent question in Amos 3.3. 3. He says this. He said, Can two walk with God without being unless they're agreed? We have to agree with God. We have to agree with His book. We have to agree with Him. There, there, there had been enmity, which means the state of feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone. See, we're actively opposed to the Gospel and to Jesus Christ. There's something inside of us that makes us know that we're enemies of God. You say, well, I'm not going on. Well, let me, let me just tell you, what, you know, what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says in Romans 5, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His blood. We have to be reconciled. We, ha- in order for us to walk with God, we have to be reconciled. When you came to Christ, Romans five one says that being justified by faith, I have peace with God. I've been reconciled. So when when we say that any of man or woman that walks with God, it implies that he or she has been reconciled to God. You've got to be reconciled. Is yeah, that? back to him, and here's what i say. How do I know I'm married? reminds me of the day. But other than that, how do I know that I'm married? Because I stood on a place with her and I promised I promised that I would love her until death is too personal. There's also a time in my life that I went forward in the church because Jesus said if I would confess him before men, he would confess me before the Father got to be some history with us in our life where that we've made that profession of faith. And there are a lot of people say, oh, well, I just believe in God. Okay. Then act on it. Act on it. So, you know, so we have to be reconciled with God. Here's the second thing. The second thing, to walk with God implies a correspondence of nature. The Bible says that light has no communion with darkness. No sinner can walk with God, for he has nothing in common with him. And his mind is enmity against him against him. Understand it is sin that separates man from God. The day that Adam sinned, what did he do? He fled from God. When God used to come walking in the garden and they'd have communion, he fled from God and he hid in the bushes. He hid in the bushes that God had created So, if we, if we walk with God, then there must be a putting away of sin and importation of the divine nature to the one who walked with Him. There has to be repentance in our life. If we're to be saved, we have to repent from sin. That means we have to do an about faith, 180 degrees, we're heading in this direction with the devil, we're going to turn around and we're going the other direction. That has to happen. has to happen. third thing is this, to walk with God implies moral fitness. God never walks out of His way, the way of holiness. God could not walk through the camp of Israel unless everything contaminated and, and defiled had been put away. Before Christ commences His millennial reign, all things, this is one of the, one of the purposes of the tribulation, all, all things that offend must be gathered out of His kingdom. Says this over in First John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. It goes on to verse 7. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ is all. Sin. What a wonderful thought that is that what God wants us to do, whatever we got in our life is keeping us from living our life and having the love we need to have and having the joy and the peace. All God wants you to do to. get those things out of your life. Let's get those things out of your life. Walking with God means that we cease taking our own way. That we abandon the world's way. That we follow the divine way. Remember St. Frank Sinatra? Some of these songs I listen to on Braille and things like that. I I go home and start up the vacuum cleaner. I can listen to that. You know, I don't know. But Frank Sinatra, you know, but he sang a song. What was the song he encouraged? He said, I did it what? My way. way." You know, do you know how many what percentage of people now in their funerals are playing this? It's way up there. They're playing, I did it my way. I wonder if the day comes when the Lord's going to sit down with you and say this. I like to talk to you about something. And you're going to say, What's your, Lord? What is it? What's your funeral they played? I did it my way. Lord, I didn't have anything to do with that. My wife, you know, like that. My wife did that. Lord, <laughs> say, what they had to have He says. Neither is His thoughts our way. i got to find out what His ways are, and I've got to find out what His thoughts are. To, here's the fourth thing. To walk with God means a surrendered will. The Lord never forces His company upon you. He's not gonna, you know, you don't want to you live your whole life to live apart from Him? Go at, go at it. The great example of this is our Lord Jesus. There was none that enjoyed perfect and intimate communication with the Father of the Lord Jesus. He told the Lord Said, take my, and he says to I Take my yoke upon you. He does not force it on any of us. Here's the fifth thing to walk with God it implies spiritual communication. Spiritual communication. The, the word walk suggests steady progress. Enoch did not take a turn or two with God, walk around the track a few times with him, and then leave his company. But he walked with God for What a walk. A walk of 300 years. It was not a run. It was not a leap. It was a steady walk. What light that one word cast upon the life of Enoch, he walked. He walked. Oh, to have others to look at our life and come to the conclusion. They could say to us, even when we die, that man walked with God. She walked with God. Enoch by nature was a child of wrath, alienated from the life of God. But a day came where he was reconciled to his Maker. And we ask, what was the cause of the reconciliation? Hebrews 11.5 supplies the answer. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith. But it also tells us the reason of it because you go to verse six and it says with because he pleased God, but it says in verse six of Hebrews eleven, without faith it's impossible to please him. If you want to walk with God, you gotta have faith, you gotta trust him. That means you gotta you gotta step out some. We say we have faith, but here's the question: Do we exercise that faith? Eve was born into this world a lost sinner. He's saved by the grace through faith. He's born again and thus made a partaker of divine nature. He's brought into agreement with the Most High and fitted to have fellowship with the Holy One. We also have we have another question question is, and I'm afraid, and this is what we got, this is why I tell you what people are wanting today today, we want to tell people when we go to witness to them, we want to tell them how we got saved. I don't think people are as interested enough on how you got saved. as why you're a Christian. Why are you saved? Why are you a Christian? You know? If somebody asks you why why do you why do you maintain Christian some people say, Well I, I went to with a bunch of friends out to eat and they wanted me to come to this thing and I did I went and they wanted me to come to church, so I did. And next thing you know, I went forward. Okay, if those people were Buddhist, would you would you be a Buddhist now? Would, if, would you if, if they were Hindu, would you be Hindu now? Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you? Why are you a Christian? That's a question. Why are you? Hey, why are you a Christian? What does Christianity offer? What does Christianity offer that nothing else can offer to you? question we asked today? If I come to Christ and give Him my life and finally begin to walk with Him, what will the consequences of such a walk be? I'll be honest with you. If you start walking with Jesus, and I mean really walk with Him, there could be persecution. I don't think you're going to hear that on Name It and Claim It. There could be, there could be persecution. There could be suffering. We don't see it yet in the United States. I don't think we're going to see it. But a lot of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all these other places, they know exactly what we're talking about. There's people dying for the cause of Christ. I I, I heard a story this last week of a girl that somebody advised her and gave her a track, and she committed her life to Jesus. She went home and she couldn't She was Muslim. Her mother found the track, gave it to her dad. Her dad severely beat her and turned her over to some other men that took her and abused her and beat her there with another girl they're leading, I don't know how many girls to Christ. Why do you want to watch? Could there be persecution? Could there be suffering? But there will also be growth in the grace of God. You're going to see things like you never saw before. But some of the things that I've said with people and they wrestle over some of the problems, and you're going to see a clear path as to why God's doing that. There'll be progress and forward direction. There's going to be a greater intimacy and a greater love that I feel from the Lord and a love I have for the Lord. There's going to be growth in the knowledge of the Word of God. Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his way. You see, I know about Elvis. I never met him. There's a lot of people say, I know about Jesus. about him, but do you know him? That's why Paul's talking about flipping three that I might know him, and the power of the resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering even unto death. That I really get to know him because he's the answer. He's the answer. You know what kind of walk produces a greater sense of deeper, settling joy. In you know, Eni's life must have been happy. How, how could a person be miserable when they know every step they take, God is with them? Amen? Uh, let me say it again. How can how a person's life be miserable when they know, they know every step they take, God's with them? tell you that he would stick close to the brother? What's the difference? If God is the same yesterday and today, what's the difference? If God knows, if you know that God's going to walk with you that way, that God's with him. But did not Jesus tell us that he didn't ever leave us or forsake us closer to some in our day are so afraid. We're, We're afraid about the coronavirus. We're afraid about What's going to happen in politics? We're afraid and we're afraid and we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it. I'm so sick of talking about those nuts up there lying like I can't hardly see it. Yet, walking with the Lord ensures what? Protection. Did He not tell us, Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why will you not fear no evil? Because, why? He is with you. He walked with a witness for God and... and and Jude tells us that Enoch prophesied. And should our life be our witness and not what we say? Should our life be the witness and not what we say? Now there's another force or motivation in Genesis 5-4. Because if you'll notice something, Enoch didn't walk with God until Methuselah. What it says there, it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Verse 22, And he begot Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God. Well, what's happening here? God took him because he walked with God, but he didn't start walking with God until Methuselah was born. What was the motivation of Enoch? It was the birth of his son. What do you mean? God 300 years. And he named his son Methuselah. And we all know who Methuselah is. He lives 969 years old. We know that. But you know what the name Methuselah means? It means this. When he's dead, it shall be sin. See, God gave Enoch a vision, and he gave him a vision and said, when this child dies, I'm going to send judgment. I'm going to send a flood. Now, what would that do to you if you knew your kid, when he passes one of these days, that something cataclysmic is going to happen? Cataclysmic. I don't really know. Cataclysmic is going to happen. What would that do to you? And so, walk with God. And I and I wonder this. I wonder if every time little Methuselah. Miss Enoch looked at him and said, You know, Methuselah's got temper. What? Or, or, or he has, uh, Methuselah, had a, we had to send Methuselah home from school. would you, do you hate to be named Methuselah? I mean, you're sitting in first grade and you're trying to teach you how to write your name. You're sitting next to Bob or Joe. Well, oh, I'm finished, Bob, Joe. Are you finished, Methuselah? time he got, he got sent home from school with a sore throat. How do you, you know, Or every time he sneezed. Oh Lord, are you alright? You're so aware because God said, here's what I'm going to do. And when you take Methuselah and you figure up his age 969 years, you'll find out that he died the year of the flood. Now here's my question to you. same thing. He said, I'm coming back, and you better be ready. Here are the signs. Here's the signs that you can look at, and the season you can know. You don't know the day, the hour, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a bunch of signs, and I went through those with you a couple of weeks ago. Here's the signs, and man, every one of those signs, man, they're just, you can check them off, check them off, check them off, check them off. You say, we don't know the exact time, neither It any. God 300 years. But notice that Enoch started walking with God at age 65, and for 300 more years he walked with the Lord and God took him. It means God translated him. Now, people want yeah, to, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Neither is the word Trinity. I can go through a whole list of Things that are not in the Bible. Well, right, you know, it's caught up. Well, go to go to the first Bible. Go to the Latin Bible and see what it says. It says, it means God translated It means an old, old Latin word and irregular means. It means carried over or carried across. Carried over or carried to what? Death. But do you also see our Father's mercy in this? Do you see why God's waiting on you? He waited 960. Nine years before he ever sent the flood. Why? Because he's long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance is what he said. Then he sent the flood. Let me ask you this question. How long has he been waiting for you? To give him your heart and soul. Well, you say, well, I for? Soul soul. Does he have your heart does he have your soul? Do the things come out of your mouth Things that come out of your mouth, do they display that you belong to Jesus? Because Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, it's what comes out, that your heart has so been changed. How long have you been waiting for you? There's another word, it's called rapture. First Corinthians 15, 51-55 says, Behold, I tell you, a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Verse 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And just as Enoch was translated to heaven without seeing death, so will those of the Lord's people who remain on this earth when Jesus comes in the clouds to get his church. And when he does, may we be found. Once I once said, I, he said, I have stopped looking for the signs, started listening for the signs. He also said this, he said, cut my shoes off. Knowing they'll never be hurt, never get sick. You can go explore other planets. You can do all the things you can do there. You can have the best time you ever. You've never had a time like you're going to have in heaven when you get there one of these days. You're not going to have It's not going to happen. Amen. One of these days when we get to heaven, what we some of you people that sit on your hands all the time won't raise your hand, won't shout. God, let me tell you, you won't be able to sit on your hands in heaven. Amen. Now they're trying to take what they're affecting. You know, people say, well, I just don't want to get involved in religion and politics. Listen, you're already involved in it, whether you like it or not, because they're already, every time you go fill up your car, every time you go to the grocery store, it's already affecting you. You better give me, walking with Jesus is what you better do. He'll take care of you. And I believe in the midst of that, he always, he always had a remnant. He took care of his people. And he'll do the same thing before Jesus gets rid of